Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One of the most famous ancient Irish myths is about a land called Tirnanog. On this magical island, literally meaning the land of youth, time stands still and the people never grow old. However, in what is a cruel twist, if a person manages to return to the earthly realm from Tirnanog and sets foot on the ground, time immediately catches up and they start to age. In the ancient myths which focus on the deeds of the legendary warrior Fionn Macul, his son Oshin is brought to Tirnanog by a woman with magical powers called Neve Kianor. After spending what seems like three years in this land of youth, Oshin, having grown homesick, desires to see his friends and family again. However, he returns to find everything changed. While time appeared to stand still in Tirnanog, three centuries had in fact passed on earth. Stepping down from his horse, Oshin commits the fatal error and touches the ground. He immediately begins to age, quickly turns into a wizened old man and dies. An obsession with youth is as old as human history itself, and stories like Tirnanog can be found in mythology around the world. However, you can't help but wonder if this Irish variant on the story was to one degree or another influenced by bogs. They're a strange, otherworldly place that perplexed our ancestors. To a certain extent, time does stand still in the murky depths of a bog. If organic matter, things like human remains, are submerged and left undisturbed, they don't break down, but maintain a lifelike appearance. The similarities with Tirnanog don't end there. Indeed, just like the myth, when something is dug up from the bog and exposed to the air, time starts to catch up and they begin to rapidly deteriorate. Luckily in 2003, when Kevin Barry discovered the remains of old Crohanman, he had been undisturbed since the day he had been buried in the bog. He, or rather what was left of him, he had been decapitated and disemboweled at the time of his death, were in pristine condition. Archaeologists, acutely aware of what would happen once he emerged from the bog, had swiftly removed the remains from the site to the National Museum in Dublin, where he was stored in conditions identical to those which had preserved him for over 2,000 years. 
This allowed experts in the Bog Bodies Research Project to undertake what was a painstaking investigation into Orkrahan Man. In the last episode, we identified him as best we could. In this podcast, we will talk to the team who reconstructed his final hours and learn how he died. This will take us a step closer to understanding the story behind what is one of Ireland's oldest murder cases. This is The Road to Orkrahan, an Irish mystery. Episode 3, Tier and Oak. The Road to Ocrohan was written, researched and narrated by myself, Finn DeWire. Additional research by Damien Lawler and Miriam Ryan. Sound was by Jason Looney and the artwork was by Keith Hines. The series was produced exclusively by listeners of the show who generously fund my research at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. Their generosity funds everything from recording equipment, books, online sources and the time needed to make content like this. My next major series is on the Irish War of Independence. And if you become a patron to support this, you get access to bonus content and early access to the show. The fourth episode of The Road to Ocrohan is currently available for patrons now at patreon.com forward slash Irish podcast. You can also support the podcast by checking out the shop at irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop. You can get lots of unique gifts there based on Irish historical figures and events. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to guarantee you hear episode four as soon as it's available. Sometime around 2,300 years ago, Old Crohanman was brutally killed. As we heard in the last episode, there were several visible wounds to the body that indicated a very violent death. He had, after all, been decapitated and disemboweled. However, it would take a detailed autopsy by the pathologist Mary Cassidy to determine the precise cause of death. She had carried out a brief examination on the site, but Professor Cassidy returned to the National Museum to carry out a much more detailed investigation. As she explains, her role was much the same had this been a standard murder inquiry. My role then was purely as it would normally be an investigation of a death. I was there as a forensic pathologist to try and determine what the cause of death could have been, whether this was a violent death or not, and how I thought the body had been treated or mistreated after death. And that was my role. So my role was just what I would normally do if this had been a modern remains, if this had been a dismembered body taken from the canal, the role would have been exactly the same. Examine what what we could, and although... I had to take much more care with the archaeological remains than I had to with the modern remains because I had to be very, very careful. I didn't disturb anything. I didn't, it wasn't exposed for too long. So we had all of these, you know, we were, they were, were kept very much in check while we were doing the examination. But literally I was looking for any marks in the body, any injuries in the body, anything that would tell us the circumstances of the death. In this process of the examination, Mary Cassidy identified what proved to be the fatal wound. There was a very clear stab wound on the chest, just over the heart area. And by gentle probing, I could see that that was not something that was a split in the skin, which had been caused when the body had been unearthed and revealed. Um, It wasn't something that had been part of the excavation process, that this was a genuine stab wound to the body. And with the position of it meant that it's very likely that the track was down and into the chest cavity and would have pierced the heart. And that would have been sufficient to cause death. 
Now, again, I had no idea about weaponry of that time. And of course, at that time, we didn't know what the exact time was, but I didn't know what the weaponry would be like. All I could say was that this was a sharp instrument. It was a fairly broad blade, which is different from the stab wounds I normally deal with. In modern terms, we are dealing with stab wounds due to knives with quite a narrow blade, and most commonly a steak knife, which I don't think they had steak knives in those days. Um, I don't think they, had, they were quite so genteel. But it was obviously a large, broad-bladed knife, and that injury would be sufficient to cause the death. So I was able to give them an idea of how death could have occurred. This was somewhat odd. Orkrohan man's body also had at least two other wounds that could have killed him. He had, after all, been decapitated and disemboweled. This raised the question whether these injuries could have occurred accidentally in 2003 when the body was discovered. Looking at the area around the neck in relation to the decapitation, it wasn't just a clean cut across. It was irregular and jagged. Now that made me think that as a, I've always got to be give an unbiased opinion. I'm looking to see what are the possibilities, what's the differential diagnosis. And so because it was not a straight clean cut, I had to consider that is it possible that some of this damage could have been caused by the, the digger? But what clinched it for me was the examination of the surface of the vertebra. So the cut had been through the neck and it had severed through the spine, but there were cuts into the spine, which had to have been done by something with a sharp edge. So that wasn't done by the digger. That had to be done by a bladed instrument. and therefore given that those cuts in the surface, the top surface of the, the spine, married in a way with the skin, it's highly likely that all of the skin injuries were again caused at the same time as the decapitation. So again, it's a process of what's the most likely, Occam's razor. If there is one theory that covers all, then that's usually the most likely. And so with the cuts in the, in the surface of the spine, then it was easy to take the next step to say, well, this looks like a decapitation injury. So this was a deliberate injury. So all three injuries, any of which could have been fatal, have been inflicted back 2,300 years ago. It's now believed that the stab wound to his heart was inflicted first and this killed him, but he was subsequently decapitated and disemboweled. This was not the full extent of his injuries, however. There were other bizarre mutilations. Holes had been cut through his arms and a hazel withy, a rope of a kind, had been passed through these incisions. Perhaps the strangest wound, however, was the cut marks evident on his nipples. Both had been intentionally sliced through around the time of death as well. The word overkill has been used time and again to describe these wounds, given he sustained at least three separate injuries, any of which could have been fatal on their own. The key question is what all this meant. Why had it happened? Was it just a frenzied attack? Was the removal of the head and the disarticulation of the body done to hide the identity of who he was? Or was it done for other reasons? Had he been an isolated case, it might have been impossible to answer these questions. However, as we heard in the last episode, the Bog Bodies Research Project were also examining another body, Tony Cavanman, who had been found in a factory at Beliber, and he provided some crucial clues. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When examined, Crony Cabin Man, like Old Crohan Man, had died a very violent death. He too had sustained multiple wounds, any of which would have been fatal. He had not been decapitated, but he had several wounds on his head, which had smashed his skull. He had also been hit numerous times in the chest with something like an axe. He had then been disemboweled like Old Crohan Man, with the lower half of his body missing. Again, the word overkill was used to describe what had happened to him. However, in what was a most unusual indeed an unsettling turn of events, he too bore the strange mutilation that was present on Old Crohan Man. Both of his nipples had been sliced through. This naturally begs the question, could the two have been killed by the same hand? It does seem strange. If this was the case, it would be the most incredible coincidence given they had both been found within three months of each other, 40 kilometres apart, over 2,000 years after they died. It seemed unlikely, and naturally, archaeologists looked for more logical answers before thinking about such an unusual explanation. To this end, they tried to identify other cases that seemed similar. Indeed, there had already been previous discoveries of bodies in Irish bogs, and some of these, while different, did echo the old Crohan case. For example, the remains of another tall man known as Galaman had been discovered in 1821 outside the town of Chum in Galway. The family who had made the discovery used Galaman as a ghoulish tourist attraction, repeatedly burying him and exhuming him until eventually the Royal Society of Antiquities bought the body. However, by this point it had deteriorated. Nevertheless, Galaman was dated to the Iron Age as well, and while his death was not similar to Old Crohan Man, it was very unusual. He had been pinned to the bog by stakes, and he had a rope around his neck indicating he may have been strangled. Significantly, a withy rope, in this instance made from willow, was present. Furthermore, like Old Crohan Man, he seems to have been a high-status individual, given he was wearing a deerskin cape. This indicated, at the very least, something strange was happening in Irish bogs in the Iron Age, but evidence for this was not just limited to Ireland. Indeed, there are strange connections between the case of Old Crohan Man and bodies in bogs across northern Europe. Indeed, the similarities between some of these is very, very strong. Dr. Vinan van der Zanden is an archaeologist and retired museum curator from Drenthe in Holland, a region with numerous bogs. He has studied bog bodies in detail, and when we spoke, he first outlined how there are human remains in bogs from almost all time periods. Bog, bog bodies, which you, you mentioned, Cloney Kevin Man, Old Brogan Man, fit a much larger picture of bog bodies and bog skeletons 
found in, in, in northern and uh, northwestern Europe. And we find bog bodies in Ireland, the UK, uh, the northern part of the Netherlands, northern Germany, even Poland, Denmark, and the southern part of Sweden and Norway. So it's a, a huge area where bog bodies and bog skeletons have been found. And they cover an extremely large period. The oldest one is from the, uh, the Middle Stone Age, from the Mesolithic period, say 8000 BC. And the youngest bog bodies are from the medieval period and even the first part of the, the modern period. So they cover many thousands of years. Obviously, most of these are unrelated to Orkrohanman, but then Vinan honed in on a group from the Iron Age. There seems to be an important group of bog bodies, different from the other ones, from, say, the medieval period. They are part of Celtic and Germanic societies. Uh, this is the group from between 700 BC and 300 AD. That seems to be a very interesting group, especially because we, we, we can see that quite a few of these bodies are from people that have died an unnatural death. And they were hanged, they were asphyxiated, they had stab wounds in the throat or in the chest. Anyhow, they did not die in a natural way. Vinan went on to explain that these people are unusual for the time, given burying people in bogs was not the common custom. All these burials are unusual, and locations of these burials are unusual. Normal people were buried in a local cemetery, were either interred or cremated. But these people, which we find back in the bogs, peatlands, were treated in a different way. And, well, there's, of course, a lot of discussion what made these people different. And in the course of the past 200 years, there have been many, many explanations. As Vinan has explained, Orkrohanman broadly fits into this wider group of bodies found in bogs that died of violent deaths. However, similarities between Orkrohanman's case and at least some of these other cases goes far beyond just this broadly similar categorization. To understand more about this, I interviewed Miranda Aldhouse-Green, a professor emeritus from Cardiff University. Miranda is a leading expert on the Iron Age. I began by asking her to explain a bit about why Iron Age bog bodies across Europe are similar. Virtually all of them show signs of very violent killing. The other thing that marks them out as special and having a connectivity is that there is a lot of overkill. There was far more violence than was required actually to kill them. And the other thing which was particularly clear on the Tolland man from Denmark and Lindo man from England was that sometimes there was a triple fold killing. So, for example, Lindo man in Cheshire, he was hit on the head hard enough to stun him, but not quite to kill him. Then he was garroted, but not quite enough to kill him. And then his throat was cut. There are certainly aspects of what Miranda has identified present in the case of Old Crohanman and Cloney Cabinman. Their deaths were extremely violent and there was unquestionably an element of overkill and possibly the triple fold killing she mentioned. A sceptic, however, might explain away these similarities by pointing out that inevitably, in what was a violent world, we will find evidence of people who died violent deaths that seem similar. However, further unusual similarities emerged when analysis of Orkrohanman's diet and his final meal, still preserved in his stomach, were carried out. 
Firstly, scientists were able to use his fingernails to determine the nature of his diet in the final months before he died. This, they were able to prove, had been a largely meat-based diet. This contrasted to his final meal. When the contents of his stomach were analysed, they found his final meal had been a gruel or porridge made from cereals and buttermilk. This might seem an interesting aside or even irrelevant, except when you look at some cases across Europe, as Miranda now explains. But the other thing which marks them out as having some kind of unity, although it might be quite loose, is that many of them, and I think including certainly some of the Irish bodies that we have evidence for, had eaten a special last meal, which consisted of odd agglomerations of cereal grains and seeds. Miranda went on to explain how this is not coincidental, but something else is at play. Quite often the last meal is special, and as I mentioned earlier, the seeds and cereal grains that are involved. And I know that, I think it was Sir Mortimer Wheeler, who made a kind of porridge or gruel out of the Lindo man's stomach and said it was absolutely disgusting, <laughs> and that he'd rather be dead. <laughs> Quite happy to die rather than eat that. And that was, you know, way back. But these meals were um, quite specific. Sometimes it's a kind of bread, a griddle bread like the Lindo man, and, and sometimes it was a form of gruel. While we have established links between the case of Old Crohan Man and Corny Cavan Man, this now links him to other cases in Europe as well. It seems some of the victims were being administered an unusual but similar last meal. These cases cover huge distances. Lindo Man was discovered in a bog near modern-day Manchester in England in the 1980s and Tolland Man, discovered in a bog in central Denmark in the 1950s, both had meals from broadly similar ingredients as Old Crohan Man. There were other similarities as well. As we have seen, they had died violent deaths and they were also buried in bogs, which was unusual for the time. Furthermore, several appeared to have been from the elite of society. For example, Lindo Man, like Old Crohan Man, had no signs of physical labour on his hands. However, any direct link in terms of individuals responsible for the killings can be immediately ruled out. We're not dealing with an international serial killer from the Iron Age. These cases span centuries. For example, Lindo Man, the case from England, died at least 150 years after Old Crohan Man. Something else, something more complex and arguably far more disconcerting was afoot. In the next episode, we need to return to the scene of the crime, but not as it was in 2003 when the body was found, but instead as it was 2,300 years ago and understand the world as it was in the Iron Age. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 